0: Are you out there doing your best to get on with life? Because as you already know, it's what you make of your life that really counts. And sometimes having a few shortcuts to help you on your way can be very useful. The NLP Matters Podcast might just be the toolbox you need to focus your attention, your effort, your drive onto what really does make the difference. Built on the foundation of neuro linguistic programming, the NLP Matters podcast offers proven recipes you can use to create and sustain your life your way. G'day,
1: and welcome to the NLP Matters podcast. I'm your host, Peter Drummond, and I'm filling in for Joe Clark today who's travelling around the country running her NLP courses. And we're coming to you after a couple of weeks' break over the Christmas and New Year holidays. So just to recap where we're at, we spent the past several episodes discussing each of the presuppositions of NLP. These provide us with a kind of code of conduct or compass that guides us as we use and apply the powerful NLP techniques. Today we'll put all these presuppositions together and show you how when looked at as a whole we have a really solid framework not only for how we use NLP but for living our lives in general. As we've said before, these presuppositions are a set of beliefs which are resourceful in that they serve us and they serve others. And together they form the ecological framework That ensures that the practice of NLP is constructive and expansive. Unlike other deficit modalities, which start from the premise that we're broken, we have problems, and we need to be fixed, and which stand in contrast to NLP, NLP is a growth and resource rich model that's built on the belief there's nothing to fix, but rather that we are evolving, we are learning, and we have everything within us that we need. During the past few episodes when we discussed the NLP precepts, we grouped them because some of them have things in common. So here again in this episode we'll discuss them in five groups that have slightly different but related emphases. So let's start off by having a look at the following five presuppositions. The map is not the territory. Having respect for the other person's model of the world. That everyone is doing the best they can with the resources they have got. That people have all the resources they need to succeed and to achieve their desired outcomes. And finally, you are in charge of your mind and therefore your results. So, as I said, these propositions have some common threads. Firstly, they can be seen as applications of the NLP model of communication. The NLP model of communication shows us how we filter experience through our senses, and with this information, we build an internal representational map of the world, which by definition can't be the same as anyone else's because we're taking in different bits of information from the external environment. This map, again, by definition, can only be a representation of reality, not reality itself. This is what we mean by the map is not the territory. The alternative is to believe that our experience of reality is something external, which impacts on us and we have no control or influence over. And it would therefore be a pretty arrogant stance to take to assume that our own map of the world is somehow a true reflection of an external reality, and therefore better or more right than everybody else's. Except that's exactly what we tend to do. This assumption often leads to miscommunication and problems in our relationships with family, friends, colleagues and others. However, When we accept that our maps are not reality, just our individual representation of it, and all other maps are just different, rather than wrong or somehow inferior to ours, then we can respect other people's maps and accept that people are doing the best they can with what they've got. Of course, we want to encourage all people to be on the path of self-discovery, learning and growth. Everyone has what they need to succeed, whatever that means for them. Some people just don't realise it or believe it. And if we accept that we're doing the best we can, and we can only see the world through our own eyes, then logically we are the only one who is responsible for our results. Because only we are in charge of our minds, and therefore our map. The next three precepts are that people are not their behaviours, that the most important information about a person is that person's behaviour, and that behaviour and change are to be evaluated in terms of context and ecology. Again, there's a common theme running through these precepts, and that is the role of behaviour in human communication again referring back to the NLP model of communication, we're shown that our behaviours are only the final external expression of a whole series of elements of our internal representation. We have our identity, and it's the job of our unconscious mind to defend and protect this identity, because the unconscious mind sees our identity as the key to our survival. Then we have our beliefs, and our values, our emotional state, our decisions, our skills, our capabilities, and even our physiology. We have unconscious filters that help us choose what we focus on in the external environment. Filters like time, space, matter and energy, and language. And all this is overlaid by the interplay of the conscious with the unconscious mind. So to reduce who we are to just our behaviour is simply to ignore the complexity of the human experience. It also explains why when we try to change ourselves or someone else by changing or influencing behaviour only, we are often doomed to failure because we haven't accounted for any of these other factors. Now, somewhat contradictorily, one of the precepts is that the most important information about a person is their behavior. And you might be thinking, well, how can that be when I've just pointed out that behavior is only one aspect of our complex makeup? And the reason is because behavior is the only thing that is visible. Everything else is internal. And so behaviour gives us important information about that person's internal workings. For example, we might know someone who says that they value health, and yet they do little exercise and eat a lot of junk food. Or it might be someone who says they value the environment, but they purchase much of their food in plastic containers and don't recycle any of their stuff. It doesn't mean either of these people are lying or hypocritical, But their behaviour does alert us that there's something going on internally that is in conflict with what they say they value. With the first example it might be they have a limiting belief that they think they're lazy or not worthy in some way. With the second it might be a limiting belief that nothing they do as one person can make any real difference. So we get to see here that the person is so much more than their behaviour on the one hand, but also that their behaviour is the critical thing that alerts us to something going on with their internal representation, their map. And finally, behaviour can only make sense when we see it and understand it in its context. As humans, we're constantly responding to the environment around us. So our behaviour can only have meaning in terms of that environment. As a parent, have you ever had the experience when your child returns from playing at someone else's house, or gets a report from a teacher, and your son or daughter is described in ways that have you think, Are they talking about my kid? We understand that kids behave in different ways, depending on the environment or the context. Adults are no different. And we also know that the same behaviour will mean something different when the context is changed. Go to the football and yell, and nobody bats an eyelid. Do it in a classroom, and it takes on a totally different meaning. Understanding this allows us to avoid the mistake of giving mistaken meaning to a behaviour that appears in a different context. The next two precepts are that resistance from someone you are communicating with is a sign of a lack of rapport. And the meaning of communication is the response you get. Thinking behind these presuppositions is that both place the responsibility for communicating firmly with the speaker or the creator of the message. Yet, this is the opposite of the way so many people think. Many of us assume that just because we've said something, our job is done. If the message hasn't been received as intended, then it's the fault of the receiver. It's very much a blame model and makes for lazy communication because we think we don't have to work very hard. We just speak and the message is received. It's also a model based on a mistaken belief that our internal representations of the world, our maps, are the same as everyone else's, or at least similar enough to make communicating easy. This is the old conduit model where communication is seen as travelling out of one person's mouth through a kind of pipeline and directly into the brain of the receiver. However, the NLP model of communication shows us just how mistaken this view of communication really is. And it's because our maps are different that rapport is a critical prerequisite for the communication event to be successful. And when we own the fact that if there is resistance and pushback, that it's our job to bring behavioral flexibility and establish rapport in order to ensure the message gets through. It really does empower us to be able to adapt and change how we communicate our message, perhaps who we're being in that moment, or the way we're doing it, so that we can re-establish and reconnect and get that rapport back in place and make sure the message we're conveying is transmitted in the way we intend. The next precepts are that all procedures should increase wholeness and all procedures should increase choice. It's easy to see what these two have in common, isn't it? Thinking behind these is that in NLP we see everyone as whole and complete, unlike other models which suggest that people are lacking and need to be fixed. In NLP, we don't focus on the problem because when we do, we tend to get more of what we focus on. Therefore, using an approach that increases choice and wholeness will tend to give you more choice and wholeness. Makes sense. And the final precepts are that there is no failure, only feedback. And finally, the law of requisite variety, which states that the system or the person with the most flexibility of behaviour will control the system. These precepts show us that when we remove judgment and blame from the communication process and see it for what it is, an always approximate attempt to get a message across to someone whose map of the world, by definition, must differ from ours in a number of significant ways. And that the person we are communicating with can only interpret what we are saying through their own filters and their own experience and their own map and that this is all any of us can do only then can we come to the position that how they respond is simply a form of feedback to give us clues as to how our message has been received we can then adjust our communication so that we can be more confident that the message received is even closer to the message sent. And this directly relates to the next sub the law of requisite variety. Because if we do get caught up in the emotion of communicating by mistaking feedback for failure, then we give ourselves limited opportunity to be flexible and have choice. Once we participate in the blame game, blaming either ourselves or others for miscommunication, then we have little power left in the situation. But if we are simply responding to feedback, we can utilise the choice and power the flexibility gives us. So, to sum up the NLP presuppositions in a few sentences the basis of all NLP is the NLP model of communication, which leads us to the conclusion that our internal maps are all different, that they're all that we've got to make sense of the world, and that in a real sense, We're just making up our version of reality. We can also see that we are more than just our behaviour, that our behaviour tells us something important about what's happening internally for us. And it's clear that only we are responsible for the results we get, in communication and in other areas as well. We know we are whole and complete, and our most important job is to show others They have what they need inside them already. And finally, we can see that feedback from the environment is the most powerful tool we have for change. And refusing to get involved in blame and judgement gives us the freedom to bring flexibility to our thinking and behaviour, which in turn provides us with personal power. Together, the presuppositions of NLP are truly a recipe for living a connected and power life. So join me in the next NLP Matters episode when we begin a new season of the NLP Matters podcast. And we look at the fascinating subject of the human mind and what NLP has to say about consciousness, thinking and communication. And we'll start that conversation by looking at the NLP model of communication in more detail and the role of the senses in perception. Stay awesome, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode.
0: Wow, thanks for showing up and listening in. We would love to hear from you. Send your thoughts, ideas, or questions via email to joanne at destinypursuit.com.au. Now it's time to take today's recipe out into your own life. Notice the differences that show up as you apply it. We'd love to hear how you are progressing with your new approach.